Welcome to the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Vicki, and I'm here all on my own today to talk about how to teach homeschool co-op classes, especially those geared toward our high schoolers. So before I start, I just want to plug real quick. We have so many in the network of other podcasts that are helpful to moms who are teaching homeschool high schoolers. And one of them is Homeschooling with Technology. Our friend Meryl there has every single week, really marvelous episodes with practical ways to enhance your high schoolers experiences through technology. Every week is just a surprise to me when I look and see, oh, how did she figure this stuff out? So anyway, check out Homeschooling with Technology podcast, and I think you'll be glad you did. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about homeschool co-ops, especially those with high schoolers, because those are such valuable experiences if you have access to it. And these days, since the pandemic, There's been so many more co-ops come about in the digital form, and all of these same ideas that I'm going to share today will help you plan in-person co-ops, but also if you're teaching a digital co-op, it can work the same. It's not that hard to homeschool co-op, and there's not one right way to homeschool co-op either, Uh, just like there's not one right way to homeschool high school, but here are some tips on uh, the way we've done homeschool co-ops, and it makes it pretty accessible to just about anybody who wants to have that group situation for your kid in learning some, you know, courses together. So also there are a lot of co-op related blog posts and resources at sevensistershomeschool.com. And so you can just go search that term and you will be surprised at all the things you'll find, but let's get started. So first thing you want to know is what you're going to be teaching, like duh. So, you know, nail your subject down. And then nail down what your goals are for teaching that subject. So let's say you were teaching health for the year. And uh, so you've got usually a a half a year, sometimes a full year that's required according to what your state requirements are. And so you want to know, you know, like, okay, my goal is a one semester course or a two semester course. And then specific goals within that time frame, like, do you want to have the goal of we will have completed a high school curriculum? in that time, or we will have introduced and had fun with the topic, you know, not necessarily going after completing a whole text, but to have field trips and hands-on projects and just lots of, lots of well-rounded experiences and finishing the textbook could be part of that or not. So you want to, to clarify what your goals are. That's very, very important because other families that would be, you know, signing up for your co-op class, if their goals are vastly different than yours, then everybody's going to be miserable together and that doesn't make for a fun year. So you want to be really clear what you're after and then folks can join you or they can go do something else, but you don't want to be miserable. Okay. And then the next thing you want to do is to discover what curriculum you want to use. And sometimes that's a real discovery process. Like you get online and look up stuff. You know, we're, we're big fans of Seven Sisters curriculum for everything that we cover. 
And one of the best things you can do if you don't just already have a favorite curriculum in mind is to go to one of the the, uh, Facebook groups and ask, you know, hey, what are your favorite curricula for, you know, health or psychology or language arts? And uh, just throw that into the group and see all the different suggestions that come up. And, you know, people will gladly share their experiences and what they liked and didn't like. And it can help you match up, you know, your personality and your teen's personality and your needs. You know, do you want an intense curriculum? Do you want a, you know, an honors level curriculum or do you want a lighthearted curriculum? And so you can get, you know, real people feet on the ground. Uh, experiences when you go to a Facebook group and ask the question. And of course, you want to read the descriptions by the publishers. And, you know, usually the publishers will have a contact me um, form on their website. If you have questions to ask about the curriculum, and, you know, usually there's excerpts on the websites that you can look at and get a feel for the the textbooks. Um, and, and it just helps you, like, you kind of know sometimes when you read an excerpt, like, this, this is going to gross my kids out, or, you know, this feels really good. Um, but you can always contact the publisher and just ask some questions, too, also. Uh, one, one good question to ask the publisher is if they have co-op discounts like sevensistershomeschool.com that we will work out a special code um, for a discount for different co-ops. So, you know, be sure and contact us when your co-op is ready to use some seven sisters curriculum. All right. So you, you settle on goals, make them clear. You settle on curriculum. And then the next thing you do is to write a course description. And that's, that is, you know, when the, the co-op puts online or emails out, you know, the list of courses they're going to take, you want to have a little description of, you know, what people are signing up for. And one will, you know, it'll explain your goals and it'll explain your text. You know, that's a good starting place. Also, what it usually in a good course description, you will also say the topics that will be covered in the course. And so you can just look in the table of contents and, you know, list those things again. So people know what to expect. Also, you'll list the methods used for the instruction. So are you going to use um, just the text or the text plus some real books or just real books, you know, like, you know, novels and nonfiction? Um, Will there be some inquiry based activities like that? You'll give them some research questions and some websites to go and dig out their own answers or some projects or some field trips. And so you list those kind of things out. Um, you'll also list how the course will be graded. You want to explain that up front. So if this is a course that, um, will require not just only like tests based on the textbook, um, but also class participation, uh, that's something that, you know, some, some kids who are excruciatingly shy may want to clarify what, what that class participation will be. And so, you know, if you have it defined, it helps everybody to be on the same page. And then the amount of credit that the teen will be earning in the class. So it, will it be a half credit course? Will it be a full credit course? And then the level of rigor at which the course will be taught. And that is like so important uh, for people to know up front. So if you've got like college bound kids 
and uh, they need an, an honors level course on their transcript for this specific topic, then you want to make sure it's clear that, that they're going to be getting what they expected. If you're teaching it at an average high school level, so you know a whole bunch of different teens can be in the class together, then you'll say that. It'll be taught at an average level but if you have honors needs, you know, we, we will include activities to level up. And, you know, that's how Seven Sisters curriculum works in itself is the curriculum is basically our average high school level um, so that it doesn't kill the subject. It's, you know, aimed at not being boring and that all teens pretty much can read the curriculum and work through it and, you know, actually like what they're doing. But we also have ways to level up to college prep or to honors uh, with meaningful activities like books to read or some research to do or projects or papers. And, you know, it's very clearly outlined so that a teens walk away from that course with a level of rigor that's good for their transcripts, um, but has given them something that's that's rich for their own personal lives because it's geared toward their interests. Okay, and then another thing you'll want to do is to, you know, that's your course description. Then you want to include a syllabus. And, uh, you know, the syllabus is what you will hand the students and you can email it to them or hand a paper copy out, you know, first day of classes. And in the syllabus will give week by week what will be covered in class and what they will be doing on their own for homework. So they know exactly what to do and when. And so they're not, you know, like, oh, I can't remember what the assignments were. Like, it's already all there. So the, the cool thing about using a syllabus is it, it helps teens to own their own education. Like they need that. They need to be growing into owning the way they learn and to be responsible for their own grades. And so the syllabus can do a lot of the, the heavy lifting in that direction because it's telling the students what to do rather than every single week you're saying, oh, let's do this for homework or that for homework. And then you've got teens emailing you at midnight the night before class and saying, now what was our homework? So instead, you know, the syllabus has that outlined. The cool thing also about that is for your college-bound teens, they will be, for the most part, using syllabi, although they're often called schedules or there's other names for them at college level, but they, they are just expected to do that and not to be bothering the professor all the time with questions about what to do. Um, so they're already used to that when they head off to college. All righty. So you've got your curriculum, you got your course description, you got your syllabus. By the way, um, at sevensistershomeschool.com, we have a how to create syllabi um, download in the store. And uh, it just takes you step by step how to do it. Plus, we have free sample syllabi for most of our curriculum. And so it's right there in the, the store or you can, you know, search it and there's a blog post example of it. And uh, that way you've got kind of the guidelines and you can just tweak it uh, for your own needs. Okay. All right. So then you've got a syllabus. Um, in order to do the syllabus, you've also, you want to know if there are days that are going to be special event kind of days. So you work that into your syllabus and planning. Like, is, is there a cool field trip that, you know, you'd be willing to take the teens on? 
Um, are there going to be days where they have projects to present? Like I have found in co-op classes that having periodic projects is outstanding in the kids actually coming away with learning that they are going to apply to their lives. You know, they will pick projects that are interesting to them. And so at high school level, they might come up with a hands-on project or do a PowerPoint presentation or a Prezi. And uh, so they really gain some, like, I am learning this, I am applying how I do it. Um, so projects are cool. Um, will they have some papers and what days will the tests be on? And usually curriculum will have the test built in like seven sisters curriculum does, um, you know, shameless plugs here. Um, so we have test banks, you know, ready for you to use. So you put that all into your syllabus, into your planning, and that way teens know when that's coming and they can do their planning around that. All right. So that's how you do the planning part. Now, when it's time for co-op to start, one of the things that's really nice to do is to start classes each week with a grabber of some kind. You know, when you read a novel, usually the novel will start out with this grabber kind of scene um, that, that really gets you engaged in what you're going to read. So you want to read the second chapter after the first. And so we want a few minutes of a grabbing kind of thing at the beginning of class. And some ways to do that is to show a video about the topic. And, you know, we've got YouTube there. It's got a world of different videos. And you don't want one that's usually, most of the time, you don't want like a half an hour video or longer. Maybe one that's like five to seven minutes. Um, so that it's it's giving kids a visual that's interesting and it gets their, their interest geared to what you're going to be talking about that day. Or if, you, if it's not a good day for a video or you couldn't find a good video, you can have the students do some kind of hands-on activity to get their interest going. You can ask them open-ended questions based on the material. And, you know, basically, you know, we moms aren't experts at everything. And sometimes we're teaching a subject that we are, you know, just reading a chapter or two ahead of our kids. And it works really well. You know, we've been graduating kids for a long time doing that. Um, but if you can come up with some questions based on what you read, things that you're curious about, and get them to... Um, discuss it a little bit before you start the class, then as you teach the material, their curiosity is already there. One of the ways if class participation is important to you, that you can get the kids all involved so everybody is contributing, is to give them some poker chips at the beginning of a class. I learned this from Sabrina. Um, so she get everybody a little sandwich bag of poker chips, and usually there's two or three. And each person has to make some kind of comment, you know, ask a question, um, answer a question, make a comment sometime during the class. And each time they do that, they give get to give Sabrina or me or whoever's teaching that uh, a poker chip. And so when they use up their two or three chips, they've contributed all they have to um, do for the week. And so it kind of gives them a feeling of, of power, you know, like I've used up my chips. I've done this. It's great. If you want some ideas uh, for activities and videos, 
there's some of our courses that we have actually laid out lesson plan suggestions for you. Human development and psychology are two of those. And so we try to keep those updated each year with fresh videos and and ideas. And so they're in the store and they're not expensive at all. And it can sometimes at least spark your imagination, even if you don't like this particular videos we have, you know, get you going to find something that you want. All righty. And then you want to periodically give students a chance to give you feedback, you know, through the year. So, you know, what, what are favorite activities they've done so far? What are some things they'd like to, to discover or talk about in class? So they feel some ownership, like they're giving input into the course and it helps you tweak as the year goes on. Sometimes kids don't have a lot of opinion on that, but I know our kids are, are have always been very good at uh, vetting what we are doing and letting us know how they are feeling about what we're teaching and what they'd like to see. So, okay. So that's it. Basically then is, is through the year, then you are just teaching the material. You can, you can read it and then discuss it in the class. I've, I've had some homeschool moms um, who have actually had teens read in the class, some of the textbook, Um, some of our kids didn't think that was interesting and some find it fascinating. So it takes some experimenting sometimes to, um, come up with all the best ideas for your teens and generally they will let you know, and then, you know, have your periodic tests and projects or whatever you're doing. And then at the end of the year, if you can make sure that as you, you know, give a final grade, that you give your students each some personal feedback. So if you can give them, you know, an official form or a a letter and, you know, with their grade and how they earned it, um, but also the strengths that you have seen in them as a student. The reason for this is, is, you know, everybody feels better with some positive feedback, but also sometimes those things can be life-changing. I can remember uh, one time our seven sister Marilyn was sharing about, you know, one of her students, she was teaching writing that year, had turned in one of his earliest papers and uh, he wasn't, you know, a great academic student. It wasn't his strength. And so he felt rather insecure about it, but he had worked hard on that paper and she could tell. And so when she read it over and she goes, you know, he put some, some real work into this and she wrote a note at the top of the paper you know, you have some potential here. Um, you know what that young man did? It was the first positive academic feedback that he could remember. And it inspired him so much that he started exploring writing and language arts. And he went eventually to college as an English major. So like, you know, sometimes a positive comment can be life-changing as far as a job, or it could just make a teen feel better about themselves. So we always do better if we give a, a positive comment. All right, that, that's the basics. And if you have any questions about teaching co-ops, please feel free to contact us, sevensistershomeschool.com. And uh, it's Vicki at or info at, and you'll get one of us. And we'd love to answer questions. Also, our Seven Sisters Homeschool Facebook group is a great place to ask questions. So please, please join us there. All right, this has been 
the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. We will see you next week. Thank you.